0: Welcome to Manager Tools. Role Power Revisited, You Speak for the CEO, Part 1. This cast answers these questions. How much role power do I have? Should I use my role power? Are there limits to my role power? Well, if you want answers to these questions and more, keep listening. Here we go. With the start to a new year well underway, you may have hired a flock of new candidates or are gearing up to do so this spring. Why not make onboarding easier on yourself and let us help you get them started off on the right foot? Our effective manager and effective communicator conferences will take your hires from new to improved. And with a conference held nearly every week of the year internationally, there's sure to be a time and location that suits your needs. Visit us now at manager-tools.com forward slash training to find an event near you. Roll power. That's an interesting topic. We've talked about it before, so we're going to revisit it a little bit today. It's interesting for a cast for us because we don't recommend that you use roll power very often. Right. In addition, it's not as actionable as a lot of
1: our casts. And I don't think we had any casts that were strictly theoretical for the first, well, not theoretical, but non-actionable. I think for the first 10 years, maybe, maybe a little less of our show. And the reason... I changed that was because I remember in the very beginning when I started thinking about cast one of the things that popped in my head immediately is what are the questions I keep getting asked over and over again that people want help with thus the the classic cast you know what to do if one of your directs has body odor I would get that asked that question every month on the road because it really happens and people can scoff at it but that's we we're not fantasy tools we're not Let's live in a a perfect organizational bubble tools We're real life manager what you have to face day to day. And since the the uh, three types of power cast, which was also non- actionable, uh, I've had tons of questions about role power, and i've I've kept trying to explain to people why we don't recommend it and how where it comes from so that people can, be smart about how they apply it i mean we want at manager tools to explain to you what to do but we also know you're smart enough that you're going to be in situations which are slightly different than standard and if you understand the genesis of the ideas that you're using the principles behind the purpose of of the activity you on your own can adjust for your situation and so this is one of those principal casts that when people hear it, I, I have to say they're surprised when they hear what we share in this cast. So I actually really enjoyed writing it because they say, okay, when people say, well, tell me more about role parts,
0: well, uh-huh. there's a cast for that. Go listen. Right. Well, I disagree with you a little bit in the sense that this cast is not actionable because I think, I think it is, is actionable, which is like Nike says, just do it, right? That in fact, the action here is you can use role power. We don't recommend it. Uh It's not the greatest thing. But but the fact is, in today's world where uh, people talk about organizations without management, with leaderless organizations and democratic organizations, et cetera, the fact is, and we'll talk about it, so I don't steal your thunder, but role power exists. And it's not the best power to use in terms of if you want to get consistent results. But Sometimes you have to use it, and for those of you who are scared of it, you shouldn't be. You have it, and use it um, infrequently, and you'll be good. So it is actionable for some managers who might not realize that they have it and might not realize that sometimes they have to use it. Okay, so tell us really quickly what role power is and what our outline is for today. Yeah, so three key points we'll elaborate on. Number one, role power means you
1: speak for the CEO. It shocks most people, but it's true. We'll then talk about what that means in practice, and we'll also talk about some legitimate limits on your role power beyond what we've already described. So look, your role power as a manager derives from the vertical nature of modern organizations. Your organization, this is where people really get, uh, I'm thinking about writing a cast about this next bit. Your organization that you're in exists to serve society through its products and services. I'm just going to make an aside here and say the greatest economic and capitalistic minds in the world say that corporations should not attempt to achieve a social purpose separate from the products and services. That's what you do. You serve society by making society better,
0: cheaper, uh, more efficient, more effective, uh, less hungry, uh, more sheltered, and so on. So are you saying that the purpose of organizations in corporations is not solely or even primarily to make money oh dear god in heaven no that's just a. that may be one of the biggest canards
1: and when smart people say that they have to be willfully blind that may be one of the dumbest things that smart people say oh yeah you exist to make money all you care about is making money no Actually, we exist to serve society through our products and services. And if we do our job well, the best proxy we have for our health now to continue doing this, which clearly society agrees with, is how much money
0: we make doing it. That's all. Let me push back a little bit on you, though, because I think you're, you're rewriting the purpose of organizations. And certainly… Somebody like, um, you know, maybe 50 years ago or something, the great management thinkers back then would not have said that organizations exist to serve society, right? <laughs> Those are robber barons, right? Okay, folks, I'm setting Mark up, right? Yeah. So, <laughs> Drucker and Friedman. And, I mean,
1: come on. I mean, it's, 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 this is not even an argument. <laughs> um, this is like someone saying, I, didn't I hear a couple of years ago that some rapper, And by the way, I I don't get it. Why, Why would a person who in their promotional videos is surrounded by scantily clad people throwing money in the air, why would that person have any relevance to intelligent debate about things? But I think a rapper a couple of years ago said something like, well, you know, the earth may not be round. Now, I may not be in the know, And um, uh, maybe it was all just a social media ploy to raise his public profile. And maybe there's, there's value to that. But having just finished the other night watching First Man with, I thought, funny, a Canadian, Ryan Gosling, playing Neil Armstrong, whose picture hangs in my office. Actually, it's not his picture who hangs in my office. It's uh, a picture of Buzz Aldrin, but it's the only known picture of Neil Armstrong on the moon because a photograph, as opposed to video, taken from the the landing module. But it, uh, Neil Armstrong, who's taking the picture, is reflected in the gold-coated visor of Buzz Aldrin, and the Earth looks pretty round from the moon. And the idea that corporations exist to make money is ludicrous. I mean, anyone who has studied it at all ought to know, and if they don't know, either they were mistaught because their professor was an idiot and said corporations are evil, when in fact, sociologists know that corporations, and and other large organizations too, don't get me wrong, are the single greatest achievement of mankind. Yeah, so Drucker talked about this. In fact, Drucker spent a great deal of his time helping hospitals and nonprofits in order to make it easier for them to be organized and align and achieve the kinds of service magnification that happens when we organize. Because not having a clear proxy, the way for-profit organizations have the proxy, not the goal of profit, it makes it much harder For nonprofit organizations to be highly effective, highly focused, and for that matter, highly efficient. He spent a great deal of time with that. I I can't blanking on the titles of the books, and I don't want to roll across my office and look at them on the bookshelf, but yeah, he wrote specifically about this. Look, the reason we organize is it allows us to massively amplify our individual abilities. You know, Adam Smith, Wealth of Nations. I think it's interesting as a colonist that it was published in 1776, uh, talked about a pin factory. If you don't know, folks, if you're hearing Adam Smith and pin factory for the first time, I encourage you to Google it and have a bit of a chuckle at it. In this pin factory, 10 workers working together on the separate task to create a pin, and by pin, I mean pin, not pen. So like a straight pin that you would use to hold uh, something while you were sewing it. 10 workers working together on separate tasks, specialization of labor, separation of labor and task, produce 50 times more output than those workers working on one pin at a time themselves. 50 times. That's the beauty of organizations. And when people come together, I, I would also argue that there's an incredible humanistic and emotional benefit from the fact that All human beings, to some degree more, for some it's a great deal more, for others it's less, feel a greater sense of purpose when they connect, communicate, and even commune with people who share a certain purpose. And that magnification is further increased by that feeling of joining something that's more important than themselves. And I've read about that. I can't cite anything off the top of my head. So, We organize in order to serve people better. That's why we do it. And it works. The history of organizations are, it's astounding. Now, look, some people say, oh, there are bad organizations. Yes, there are bad human beings. And sometimes the people in that organization foolishly forget to evaluate the lives around them ethically and morally and make bad mistakes, and that uh, organization massively is evil or, or uh, misaligned with humanistic moral and ethical goals, a la World War One or World War II, what have you. If you're going to organize, the moment you organize, you're going to need structure. Mike, you mentioned companies with no managers. I will say it for the hundredth time. I find it amusing that whenever any company has a good year, and has recently gone to, or or, no, let me put it differently. Anytime a organization that is not trivial in size, so therefore could command some attention in an audience from a writer. And that writer has a podium to reach them. When that organization goes managerless and then potentially has a good year. And so two and two come together. I believe two things are true. Economics and the general industry therein had a fantastic year, and two, that writer will not be there to cover the inevitable return to some sort of vertical structure in the next two, five, 10 years. Now, the classic example of this, which you can check me on, guys, before I retire, is Zappos, uh, which has, I won't get into the, not holistic, but uh, ho- ho- I don't know how to pronounce it. I never do. And I, uh, uh, my wife shops at Zappos, and I think Zappos is a great company. And a bad organizational structure doesn't mean you'll fail. It just means you won't succeed as much. And if you were a company that was only succeeding slightly, and then you change your organization into a dumb one, you'll now start losing money. And as the old saying goes, you don't do better by saying, we're going to take a loss on this one, but we'll make it up in volume. So I hope Zappos continues to do well, but they will not do as well as they could if they were vertically structured. And there are already signs of that, as some of you may know as we're recording this in 2019. So we have an organization. We have to have some structure because structure aligns and simplifies and amplifies communication. And the best method we know today to align an organization is to structure it vertically. Before I get into the alignment, which will shock some people, or or the structure, which will shock people, I will tell you that certainly the beauty of freedom for the vast majority of the world, except the brutally repressive communist dictatorships that still exist, is that you can choose any organizational structure you want. And if you choose not to be vertically structured, it's quite all right you may wish to do an experiment where you spend a couple of years vertically structured and then a couple of years not and compare and see what happens. Although that would be unfair to you because the cost of change is enormous in those situations. But Manager Tools focuses on vertically structured organizations. Please don't write to me and tell me you think there's a better structure because it's okay. I'm glad you have the freedom to think that and I encourage you to promulgate it and attempt other people. To change their structure, you won't change us. And the reason why is the predominant structure in the world is vertical, and we are here to help managers be effective. And there's a 99.9% chance that the person listening to this podcast, and I'm being generous there, I'm actually, I'm being, uh, uh, I'm way underestimating the number. 99.99% of the people who are listening to this cast are in a vertically structured organization. And if you want to start a podcast where, you help managers learn how to apply some other management structure, I encourage you, and I I hope you do well. I don't think you will, but that's okay, uh, because you'll be competing against companies with better structure. Folks, in all this discussion of organizations, don't forget that Manager Tools serves organizations as well. Our casts are for individual managers, but After a couple of years, in the very beginning, many years ago, telling clients no, because we wanted to be in the business serving individual managers, we finally realized we were going to spend our entire lives saying no, Mike and I were. And so we started saying yes and providing management training services to clients. Effective manager training, effective communicator training, effective hiring manager training are all available. Reach out to Maggie at manager-tools.com. You have our word. It will be the best management training your people ever experience, because we'll share with them what to do, how to do it, and why to do it, because we're focused on the individual manager. And when the individual manager's behaviors change, the organization changes for the better. We hope to see you at a client engagement at your corporate site. Okay, how is an organization structured? At the top is society. That's what's at the top of your organizational structure society the people that it serves the board then which most people think of as the top actually no that's wrong most people think of the ceo as the top which is usually amusing at the top is society underneath society the next level down is the board of directors of that company if you say to me a board a company doesn't have any a board then i would say well okay tell me who the owners are and and if the ceo owns all the company he or she is both the ceo and the board The board serves as representatives of society and is responsible for the maintenance of and the communication of the vision and mission of the organization to the rest of the organization. That's their job. They serve as a mouthpiece of society and serve as a buffer between the organization, internal parts of the organization from the top, all the way down and society so that if the company is doing poorly because the proxy of profit is not there, remember, we serve society. We measure things by profit. And by the way, profit's not a four-letter word. Gee whiz, if I sell something that society thinks is worth a buck fifty, and I sell it for a buck because I'm very efficient, there are a thousand other variables here, but I'm going to do well, provided I reach enough people with my idea. Because, and society, provided they have a need for it, will continue to buy that thing, because they believe they're getting $1.50 worth of value for a dollar. Now, all of that is predicated, of course, on economic theory, and you can argue that you don't like economic theory, and that's certainly fine. But let's be honest, the predominant technique for human beings interacting with one another in public life today in the non-political sphere is economic theory, which involves the exchange of goods and services for money and value, thus the pricing mechanism. So, society's at the top, the board represents society to the organization. When they communicate about the vision and mission of the company and its values and so on, they communicate primarily to the CEO or president or managing director whatever who then promulgates that mission, that vision, those ideas down through the organization, through successive layers of management. The board speaks for society, the CEO speaks for the board and the CEO's direct speak for the CEO and so on and so on and so on. That's the structure and it's the best we have. If you wish to describe it, it's Churchill's democracy is the second worst form of government and all the others are tied for last. Now, what this means, guys, and I could take two hours driving in, but this is Manager Tools, and I've already been going on too long. When a manager speaks to her directs, she is speaking speaking within the confines of the mission and vision of the organization for the society, because they're at the top, for the CEO, and for every other manager in her chain of command. Managers serve as the representative of the mission and purpose of the organization to everyone beneath them in their organization. That's the way the structure works. That's the principle in practice. As we've said before in our other cast about uh, there's no confidentiality between managers and directs. If a direct comes to you and says, can I share something with you confidentially? The answer must be no. Now, the classic example of this is the manager and the direct who are friends. And that's because friendship is a role that describes a nature of the relationship, and therefore the privileges associated with those roles. Typically, there are a standard set of privileges that go with friendship in most cultures. And there's another role, which is the managerial role. In a similar vein, not making a comparison, but making a principled argument, you can't be friends with your children because you're now inhabiting two different roles that come with two different sets of privileges. If you're a manager, the reason you can't have confidentiality with your people as, as if you were their friend, because if your friend comes to you and says, hey, I st- can I speak to you confidentially? And the manager says, yes, because they think it's somehow strengthening the bonds of friendship between them and their direct or just the bonds generally. Forget about friendship. And the direct says, hey, I just stole $10,000 from the company. What should we do? Well, everyone knows that that's an example, and it's not terribly an extreme answer. I can give you a thousand others that are similar that don't involve stealing but do involve the conflict between friendship and managerial roles. The bottom line there is everyone knows that the manager is obligated to do something, and it's not to protect the direct. And the reason for that is the manager's role includes the ability to speak for the organization. What that means in reverse is when a direct speaks to a manager, they are speaking to the entire command structure of the organization. And when you start thinking about that for a minute, you realize how important it is for some little bit of distance between you and your directs. Because when the values of the organization and the purpose of the organization are in misalignment with the direct, the manager serves as the organization for that direct because the organization can't attempt to speak to every individual all the time. What's more, the manager is an agent of the organization but her manager is an agent of the organization. The organization is the principal. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, I recommend you look into the classic principal and agent problems. The manager is between her manager and her directs. To her directs, she speaks for the company. To her manager, when she asks her manager for something, her manager speaks for the company. That's what vertical structure is. When you communicate with your team, Managers speak with the authority, with the delegated, known, although not spoken of, authority of the CEO to your team. The organization, your organization gives you this authority within your team as part of the fundamental vertical nature, one of the rules that has to be in place that if you started your own organization and didn't know what you were doing and tried various different things, if you stumbled across verticality, you would at some point have this ability for any manager above a team to be able to
0: speak with the power of the CEO. Yeah. Now, this model only works for vertical organizations, right? We've already yeah, yeah. gone on about what we feel about other forms of organization, perhaps, but exactly vertical organizations
1: are the predominant, massively predominant, overwhelming. Look, if you were an alien and you dropped in and you were looking at organizations, you would say humans organize vertically, and you wouldn't be wrong. Are there outliers? Sure, and interesting if they do well, unreported when they don't do well. So, without all the derivation. That we could do in the and the delegation processes and so on. It boils down really simply. You are given role power, and this is important. Listen to this wording, guys. You are given role power as a function of the verticality of the company to help the company align and serve society. You are given that in order to allow the CEO and therefore board the board and society to speak directly to your team. So when you speak, you're speaking as the CEO to your
0: team. That's it, everyone, for this week. We'll finish this one up next week. In the meantime, have a great one. So long, folks.